Um, the topic of the show tonight I wanted to get into was um, uh, talking about remembering. Uh, in scriptures, God, uh, you know, you read the Old Testament and, and God constantly is reminding Israel, remember I brought you out of Egypt, uh, out of the land of bondage, you know, re- remember uh, and then, of course, at the Lord's Supper in the New Testament, you know, do this in remembrance of, of me. So remembering is a, is a big part of who we are as Christians. Because remembering uh, helps us confess sin. You know, we need to remember our sin so we can confess it. Remembering helps us be thankful to God. Uh, because as we remember God's deliverance in our lives or, or God's salvation in our lives, uh, that, that's, that's a good a memory. That's a good remembering of, of how uh, God works in our lives. So we don't want to forget uh, what it means to remember. It, remembering also, I think, makes us in awe of God. When we see God work like he did in 2020 among the faithful churches in Canada, that was fantastic. Uh, when, when we saw God move in great ways in, in 2020 and 2021 and churches grow and people were becoming Christians and and it was a, just an opportunity for the gospel to go forth in a very light and dark world. The contrast between light and darkness had never, I think, in some ways, never been clearer. And so we need to remember that. We, don't, we need to remember what happened in 2020 and not forget. Uh, you know, to, to, to forget is not to change. To forget is to uh, um, not be able to fix the past, to correct the past. To, to do things, the same thing, over and over again. You know, the, the definition of insanity. Do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And so we should remember well how 2020 went. We should remember what your um, comrade Trudeau said in 2020. We should, we should remember what our, our health officials said in 2020. We should, uh, you know, don't forget these, some of these egregious things that, that were said and propagated on us and masking and so forth. That's a good thing to remember. Of course, we don't want to look back in bitterness on all that. We don't want to look back in anger and malice and all that. Scripture forbids that. But we want to remember in a way that we're faithful to God, His Word, and His people, and what it looks like to to move forward. And so, um, while I'm finishing up, I'd like to invite uh, Jacob, Tim, and Steve up. And uh, guys, go ahead and just grab a seat and, and, and a mic and everything. And so, but I, I don't think we don't want to just stop there at remembering. Uh, we 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 want to have good memories about what happened in the past and the details and everything that happened and and you know uh, Tim getting arrested and and Steve um, losing his church and Jacob and the fines that, that all his elders in the church has accrued. You know, we want to remember those things. Don't don't remember it in bitterness, as I said. But it's also now what? Uh, this is something. I've been thinking through. I don't have a full answer actually on this at all. Um, but but now what? Now that we're maybe back to some time of peace, um, what do we do? I think a lot of churches in 2020 and 2021 were kind of caught off guard, and it put them in the defensive position. So we were being defensive. Well, in, in spiritual warfare, you don't want to just be defensive. That's, that's part of spiritual warfare. But you also want to be offensive. You want to go on the offense. Uh, and, and, and so moving forward, kind of now what peace is here, well, we don't want to get comfortable. We know something like 2020 happens, and there's no repentance. Well, something else is going to happen. I mean, repentance is the only thing that really stops things. 
And so when 2020 happens, if, 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 you, if you need to think offensively with your own family, with your own business, with your own community, and with your own church. And so um, I want to bat some of that idea around with the guys. What does it mean to be offensive from here? What does it look like to be offensive? Well, I think one of the things that it, that it looks like, and, and this is something that's been commanded in the scripture since the beginning, is, is to be raising faithful families. But I think for the longest time, we've kind of culturally understood that. You know, kind of culturally, we want our kids to, to be, you know, just good kids. You know, we want our kids to be able to get a job when they graduate college. We want our kids to go to a nice Ivy school, they graduate, they get a great job, and they're good people. And, and Christians, I think, have even largely kind of fell into that trap a little bit of that kind of cultural do-goodism, that cultural, uh, you know, be good children, be productive, go to college, get a job, uh, you know, kind of um, cultural way of raising children. And so I, I think, um, if, you, if you think about it, and I'll stop, I'll stop here. Um, my, my executive pastor, I would say maybe it was in 2018 or 19, um, did the math. And he said, if, if your family had four faithful kids, genuine Christian kids, and they grew up to have four faithful kids, and get married, have four faithful kids, and then those kids grow up and have four faithful kids, you know, get married, have four faithful kids, and, and you kind of start seeing how things kind of exponentially can start, you know, uh, turning into a big snowball of children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren coming. Well, in about 150 years that family would have about 350 to 450, I think, thousand kids in about 150 years. You know, wrenches, gave, gave little wrenches running around. <laughs> little, little water boys running around. But the, but the point there is, in some sense, in some sense, God has made it easy. If, if parents are faithful, in some sense, God has made it easy to take over, uh, you know, Idaho for his name. And in Idaho, I think it takes like 250,000 votes to get a governor elected. You know, Gabe Wrench's kids alone in 150 years would get a governor elected in Idaho, you know, uh, for Jesus' name. And so I think the, the, the helpful thing about that illustration is that it, it puts things, I think, in real practical terms of, of being able to... Sometimes we, we're in Canada and we think, oh, man... It's going to take forever, or, or it's going to take forever to turn this train around, or uh, this train's almost impossible to turn around. Canada's doomed. Well, I think if, if families get get their eye on the ball, get their eye on the Jesus ball, raise their kids well, it, it's actually very realistic that Canada could turn in two generations, three generations, you know, four generations, you know, easily start to turn in a hundred years because you're having faithful faithful kids because your eyes on the ball where God put it. Um, so Jacob, you know, as you kind of think through, uh, you know, the reality of, okay, Canada, it feels doomed. It feels like, um, in some sense, Canada's, um, gonna, it, 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 there's no change in Canada. So, you know, how do you, and in a kind of a very faithless sense, I think a lot of people are processing Canada that way. Um, how do you look at... I remember t- talking to you... Oh, man, it must have been like seven, eight months ago, talking to you about Ontario, Trudeau, and everything. And you were actually a lot more 
optimistic about um, Ontario and about Canada and, and seeing change happen in Canada over in your lifetime. So how do you kind of view, let's talk first about just kind of like the, the current culture of where Canada's at and why are you more optimistic about maybe um, uh, Canada not going into the deep end like a lot of Christians want to say it's going. I think that the strongest grip on our society for a long time and it's something I tried to explain in the documentary that we aired on uh, Friday night, Antichrist and His Ruin, which will be available eventually to the public, is, is the state. It's the idea that the government can solve our problems, everything from health care um, to welfare. You know, they've become our provider when we're in need. They give us our daily bread, our healer when we're sick, and our savior when we're in crisis. And this is, you know, and people just buy this hook, line, and sinker. And this is why the government so got away with what they did for so long in this country. You look at your country. The government got away with it for a bit, but not so long. Mm-hmm. Okay? But I think one of the things that happened during this season that we need to realize is that people who had this status mentality and had all of this confidence in the government, a significant amount of the population no longer does. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been seen. And that's, that's evident in the trucker convoy, not just the number of people that were in Ottawa, but the number of people that financially supported that convoy. It's huge. And I think what you saw in that was in over, not, I don't know if it's a majority, but if it's a minority, it's a strong minority, has been rattled in, their confidence has been shaken. And so that is, a, that is an opportunity for the gospel. So I know you're, what you're saying, Gabe, you know, we have four kids who have four kids who have four kids who have four. I understand. I've done the math, too, and I figured out, like, it, if, like I've got six, and so if my kids all have six kids and that goes on, I figured, like, we could have, like, 35 million people in my family. I, I, I can't remember how long that would yeah. take, but I remember I did the math once. And I'm like, it wouldn't take too long for my, my family to populate the whole country. Right. Right? Right. So, but... Rayom country. Yeah. You know? So I figured that out. And, I, would, um, I would pay taxes there. <laughs> There wouldn't be any. There wouldn't be any. You know, that would be it. There'd be no taxes. But anyway, so my, but my point is, is I think it's easier than that. Because you look at our church, how many people who were disillusioned with that have now come into our church and flooded the church? Mm-hmm. Where we now have issues. We just built the parking lot and we still got, it's still full. We built a new parking lot and, and the church is full on Sundays. So... I, and if, if this was multiplied, not just the efforts of building healthy families, but if the, the efforts of building healthy churches were multiplied, you're bringing in converts from um, who have no, you know, they haven't had a Christian background in their family for generations, three generations. So there is an opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ when, this, when the, a significant amount of the population has been peeled away from their religion. Mm-hmm. They didn't know it was their religion, but their religion was they were they were beast worshippers, status, government yeah. worshippers, yep. and that's been peeled away, and they're rattled, and they're looking for answers, mm. and and so 
I pers- I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I personally don't think the government would get away again with what they pulled in March 2020 in this country. I don't think they would. I don't think they have the grip on the people. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. They're trying to bring back the mask mandates in Ontario, and they're talking about this um, mask mandate stuff. Like, I was in Costco on uh, Saturday, and maybe one in a hundred people had masks on. No. After the announcement Monday, it went up, but I still don't think it's 50% of the people. Mm-hmm. Whereas you to go back a year ago, people start to totally get freaked out, and it's an overwhelming sense of, oh, you, you, we yeah. can't rebel because I'm the only one. Well, these people no longer feel isolated. So my, my point is, is this rattling of the population has created an opportunity for the gospel, and it's gonna, it's gonna melt. Sure, yeah, build healthy families, and I'm all for that. I'm trying to do that with my family. But, it, I mean, the, the hope is ultimately in regeneration, and only God can give that to anyone's children, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but I, 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 the, what has happened in our church, what's happened at Fairview, um, or Grace Life, or Harvest in uh, Windsor, or, or whatever, is, is a, just a microcosm of what would happen if all those churches multiplied their efforts. Amen. Okay? Yeah. Right. Like, we have the, we're going to, I believe we're going to have the capacity to plant a church, some point. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't see why other churches. I mean, I, I know Grace Life just planned a church on uh, Vancouver Island, and so the, these things. And, and, I, and I'm sure Tim. I mean, they just purchased a lot. He'll tell you they just. Well, anyway, you can share your story, but I, I'm going on too His long. His personal story. Yeah. Well, it's. Yeah. I don't want to. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Tim, um, you, you are, are the most fruitful out of all of us. You have the most kids. <laughs> Way to go. Um, <laughs> you can thank my wife, too, with that. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, admittedly, the harder side of the, the fruitfulness, for sure. Um, uh, how, how have you, you know, because I remember my father-in-law. Um, so I, I married into a family of seven daughters. And uh, after... Um, my father-in-law had his first child, and then he had my wife, and my and he was also pre-mill, pre-mill theology. Had my wife, and she was so bad. He's like, "We're done having kids. I'm not. I'm not raising more hellions to to not go get picked up with me and Jesus and go away." And so he had stopped um, at number two at my wife, and uh, and then he became reformed and uh, started having more kids. Um, but the reason, I think the bigger issue that was really affecting him was more, not just the premium theology, more like just the negative view of the world. I, I'm going to bring all the, I'm going to bring kids into the world. This is a difficult world. The world's horrible. There's darkness everywhere. And I don't want to raise, have, raise more kids into this world and give them over to Satan. Um, you became a Christian, was it 15 years ago? About that. And were you married yet with Raquel? Um, when we were converted, we, we were just uh, we were just married. Okay, and so you obviously um, hadn't really even processed probably the theology of having kids. Not at all. No, <laughs> yeah, you're just processing marriage and you know. No, we we knew nothing. <laughs> we just we just went along with the with the world, right? So just get a good job, like you were saying before. Yeah. Get a good education. Get a good job. Have a nice house, buy a nice car. Be and, a good person. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. 
So what, when you became a Christian, what was your thought process in starting to have kids? Well, it was just a continuation of just doing what you do, right? And, uh, but very early on, as Christians, um, someone sent us some Vodibakum messages. Mm. And uh, Vodi was used of the Lord as he was talking about children and about family. And he, he was, it wasn't anything that's not found in Scripture. He's expositing the text of Scripture, yeah. which then challenged us on how we view children. Because we just become an idea you, you want you want one boy and you want one girl and that's it boy for the dad girl for the mom and <laughs> and you just move forward yeah but then as as he was speaking that that challenged our thinking and then we, we never had a, a spot where like okay we want eight children or we want ten or let's see how many we can get uh, we, we just rather said no this is what the Lord has called us he's called me to be a father he's called my wife to be a mother and so let's let's leave that side of it to to the Lord, and 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 we we grew and we developed in terms of you know what that what that looks like practically in in our marriage, but that was an area of of walking by faith and trusting the Lord, that that children are a bless, blessing they are a heritage, mm-hmm. and and they're hard mm-hmm. to raise a large family it's hard, um, but yet God doesn't call us to an easy life. And there is much fruit as you as you labor that is that is produced. You know whether that's a, a farmer or whether that's a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the more you're laboring, the more fruit you'll see. And so um, our, our mind was was challenged in that way. And then we now we try to encourage others the same way because unless you're being taught by the church, you're you're gonna or read it in your in the word yourself. You're gonna continue just that cultural standard of a, a very mm-hmm. low view of children. And I, I think that's the root of it. People have a low view of children. Obviously, abortion mm-hmm. very popular because why? Because mm-hmm. I, I don't want the burden of this child. I think that's why motherhood is despised in our culture so much. Because why, why would why would this woman, smart and, and and talented, why would she stay home to give the best years of her life to children? Yeah. Because children are are, are not worth much. Yeah. Why would she spend her life doing that? And so a low view of children leads to a low view of motherhood, and, and it, just, it just continues. Yeah. But to recognize that, no, laboring to raise up children, that's, that's a Christ-like thing, mm-hmm. and that's kingdom work, that's great commission work, mm-hmm. and, and it will lead down the road to a, a cultural transformation as we invest in our kids. Do, do you think there's like an element to this where the world looks at raising kids, it's like kind of a crapshoot, you're kind of gambling. Your kid might turn out good, your kid might turn out bad, and that kind of affects some Christians about having kids. But the way God talks about having kids, it's, it's their, their blessings you pointed out, their heritage and so forth. But, but God also talks about, you know, if, if you obey me, I'll bless your family to a thousand generations. I'll bless your, your heritage to a thousand generations. And so God says, puts it in the context of covenant faithfulness. If, if you're faithful, and particularly with raising your kids, um, then I promise blessing upon you. I promise blessing on your children's children. And, and I think that that is a comfort to parents as opposed to the other way. Well, it's like, well, I just might get lucky and my kids might turn out well. Well, no wonder you're going to only have one or two kids um, because it's all luck. Yeah. Now, that's a common thinking in Christian circles is uh, it, essentially you're going to have these kids and, and some might follow the Lord, some might not. And people point to 
what they what they see as godly families and like look at those godly families and, and half their kids aren't following the Lord or maybe all the kids aren't following the Lord and and for, for myself based on what I know of the word and then also experience it's like well there, there's something going on in that supposedly godly family yeah. where the kids aren't following the Lord right you know so when the scriptures say in, in Titus 3 that that children of a, of a of an elder ought to be in submission and not open to the charge of a debauchery nor to insubordination like that ought to be believers mm-hmm. there's there's a a connection a direct connection between how we faithfully parent and then how our children grow up mm-hmm. to follow the Lord mm-hmm. and I think that's important to recognize that uh, you know we believe in the doctrine of election but election includes the means that's right of, of proclaiming the gospel mm-hmm. And the Christian home, when mom and dad are discipling their children, God has promised to bless that, mm-hmm. such that our, our children we can have we can have uh, you know not, not a hundred percent guarantee, but we have a, an expectation right. that they're going to grow up to follow the Lord. Right. And so that's a that's a great privilege. It's it's a bit scary because we know how sinful we are, yeah. But yet, uh, <laughs> and how that could affect our kids. Yeah. But yet we trust that that. As, as we're faithfully laboring, not perf- not perfectly, but faithfully laboring to to mm-hmm. pour the faith into our children, that they, they'll grow up and they'll they'll continue in the way that they were taught. And and when we talk that way about uh, covenant faithfulness or viewing, you know, us obeying God and being good parents and being faithful with our children, that God will bless us to a thousand generations. We aren't talking about it in such a way like you kind of alluded to, where it's like this this automatic vending machine blessing. You put in 50 cents and you get a Snickers bar kind of thing out. We aren't talking about, you know, vending machine um, covenant faithfulness. You know, you do this, this happens. But we are, but, but we do believe in the promises of God. And oftentimes, um, the conversation immediately goes, well, if you're telling me that you believe in the promises of God, if you're faithful, you're talking about good works. And I'm, well, I'm talking about covenant faithfulness. But I'm not. I, I, what I want to reject is the automatic, the, the view of automatically looking at I do this vending machine kind of response in it. I, I want to. My response is to be faithful, but my bit, my first response is to trust God. So that's that's how you know when you aren't when you reject that vending machine. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, put in fifty cents, expect you know this this out kind of kind of relationship of God uh, you know you reject that we reject that and, and what we're trying to say is like no we believe in 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 God's word we believe in what he says about raising kids and we believe in the promises of God so it's all believe 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 trust 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 and then of course there's some faith there's faithfulness that comes out the other end but it's all based on the promises of God not the works of man and all that yeah and it's based upon his purposes even in election because why, why did God Put my eight children in my family mm-hmm. to be they have your pa- last name to be in a pastor's home and yeah. to be taught the the word of God. So, I, God has ordained that mm-hmm. and ordained that for a reason. And so I'm going to faithfully trust His promises and and seek to be a blessing to my children and, and encourage them to follow the Lord faithfully. Um, Steve, me and you are Presbyterians here, buddy. Well, he sounded a little bit Presbyterian to me just now. That's where I was going to go. Tim, but I don't want to be controversial. I mean, uh, no, that's where we're going to go. Yeah. Yeah, well, hold gonna... on. Steve Richardson doesn't want to be controversial. <laughs> You're getting soft. 
be an old fellow here. I mean, I, I hear Tim talk, and I just, I mean, I don't know, understand why Tim doesn't baptize his babies. You guys are going to get this real quick. You know, you, you, Tim, I mean, you talk about, like, covenant faithfulness. Yeah. You want and, to talk about baptism? Yeah, that's what we're going to Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, because baptism is a sign of, and seal of God's covenant promises. It's a sign of the new covenant, right? Baptism is that initiatory rite of the new covenant. And the old covenant sign of circumcision is yeah. very similar. Yeah. Right? So there are similarities. Mm-hmm. Now, the old covenant sign of circumcision was given to those born yeah. under that covenant, phys- yeah. physical birth. Yep. And what we learn in Galatians 2 and in Galatians 3 is that those who are in the new covenant, who are children of Abraham, are not descendants of Abraham by, by blood, but yeah. they are descendants of Abraham by faith. Yeah. And so the, they are born into the family of Abraham through the new birth. And so that's why the Bible teaches that baptism ought to be given to those who, who are members of the new covenant, who have been wedded to Christ in that new covenant, not by physical birth, but you, through the new birth. You're working hard, buddy. I mean, you're working hard, man. I get it. Through the new it. birth. <laughs> right? So that's why Hebrews 8 says this new covenant is not like the old covenant. The old covenant was a mixed covenant, a national covenant. The new one is a covenant sign, the new birth, and so we apply the sign of baptism to those who have been born again. So, um, where in the old, where in the new covenant does it say that children are no longer in the covenant? So, in the old, in the old covenant, my, my wife's calling. I haven't talked to her all day. Hang on just a second. No, I'm just kidding. Is that your excuse no. for not talking about this? Okay. <laughs> Um, I'll, you need I'll, to ask I'll your wife text about her, baptism. I'll text her y'all in a minute so she knows why I'm not answering the phone. Um, and the, uh, where in the transition from Old Testament to New Testament, kids are no longer allowed in the covenant? Well, if you notice in, in Hebrews 8, it quotes Jeremiah 31. And it talks about the difference of the New Covenant and the Old Covenant. So yeah. there are similarities, there are differences. And, and Jeremiah says the New Covenant is not like the Old Covenant. Yeah. And it says, for they did not keep my covenant. Mm-hmm. And, and the distinction there in Hebrews 8, quoting from Jeremiah 31, is the reason why they didn't keep the covenant is because not everyone in the old covenant knew the Lord. Mm-hmm. But rather in the new covenant, everyone is going to know the Lord from the least of them to the greatest mm-hmm. because God is going to write his law upon their heart, talking about the new birth. So the new covenant has the new birth given to everyone in the new covenant. And then Hebrews also talks about not only that, but how Jesus Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, not like Moses. Jesus Christ provides the sacrifice of the new covenant, unlike the blood of bulls mm-hmm. and goats. Yep. And because of that, Jesus Christ is the effective mediator and sacrifice of all those who are in the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And so you're not going to have a mixed community like in Old Testament Israel. We had some who are truly regenerate and some others. Mm-hmm. But rather, everyone in the new covenant has Jesus Christ as their mediator, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ as their sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I believe in a definite atonement where everyone for whom Christ shed his blood will be finally and effectually redeemed. Mm-hmm. So, so therefore, the covenant sign matches the reality of Christ's mm-hmm. finished work and atonement. And you don't have people in the new covenant with Christ as their sacrifice, with Christ as their head, with Christ as their mediator, and them not have the gift of the new birth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we should not baptize and give the new covenant sign to those who do not have the new birth. Jacob, do you have anything to add? Oh, oh, we're going to go there. <laughs> That's great. 
No, I think Tim's, he's explained it so well, and I, I, much better than I would. The only thing I would add in it is that there is no, I've never seen a one-to-one -one correlation in the New Testament between baptism and circumcision. There's inferences, okay? okay. There is no one-to-one. -one. It doesn't say this is it. Mm -hmm. And it's the circumcision of the heart that everybody in the New Covenant receives. Mm -hmm. And that's and, and the circumcision of the heart, by the way, was not given to everyone in the old covenant. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. and there is there is no promise, by the way, whether it's in the covenant with Abraham or the covenant with um, with David. Mm -hmm. There is no promise of regeneration within the people who are part of those covenant families. So. Jacob and Esau came from the same, mm -hmm. the same womb. There's no, so there's no promise in the old covenant of regeration. No, no, no. The, uh, the I'm, promise, I'm, I'm asking clarity. No, 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 no. The promise of regeneration is there okay. Okay. for those who believe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's there, and 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 there are regenerate people within the old covenant community. But as Tim said, it's a mixed community. Mm -hmm. Okay? Whereas the new covenant is exclusively for the regenerate. Yeah. All right? Okay, hold on one second. Everyone, just, um, uh, sorry. This is, this is for my wife, okay? Just, just everyone wave. Just, yep, it's just a picture. Yep, just a nice wave. All right. Okay. All right, go, go ahead, Jacob, go. No, I'm, I'm done. Okay. I think, I don't have anything else to say. I think Tim, Tim did a fabulous job and much better than I would have done. Uh, Steve, you got anything to add? Um, about why Jacob and Tim are wrong. <laughs> so, Steve, can I just say I'm, something? I'm gonna, can get I just get say Steve something going. Get Steve? Steve going. Get a drama. So, I just want to say, he is part of our and he's so respectful of our leadership here. He's yeah. very hesitant. Yeah. But I don't. Tell him. Tell him. But the, I just talked to our elder chair, who said that you're. You know, we're, we're not going to be offended, Steve. Yeah. Well, I, I I thought maybe you wouldn't have any questions for me since you already know kind of where I'm at. It'd be the questions would be for these two gentlemen here, but you would like me to answer what I've heard? Is that what you're? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just kind of give a couple of thoughts on on y your response to to Jacob and Tim. I think largely you would agree uh, with what they're saying. Uh, I think that uh, from a Presbyterian perspective, we see the unity of the covenant so that. While, while we're uh, recognized that uh, the regeneration that God alone can do is necessary in order for somebody to be part of the invisible church of Jesus Christ, in order for them to enter heaven, that uh, we don't have access to the hearts of men. We can't see. So even in a Baptist church where uh, people are baptized upon profession of faith and examination to see if that faith, that profession is somewhat credible, that even there, baptisms can be made done by mistake. There may be people who are baptized on profession of faith who aren't saved because we don't have access to that. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, it can never be, from my understanding, Old Testament, New Testament, about what we can see, but, uh, by what, but it's by what God has promised. And so in the Old Testament, people were saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Right. In the New Testament, they're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, God said, I want the sign of the covenant to be given to children of believers. Not in so many words in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. In the New Testament, that, uh, as you said, as you asked, 
we don't see the children now put out. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't see, and I don't think any Presbyterian who understands the theology sees baptism as con- conferring regeneration upon a child, but rather that it is a sign of the covenant, God's promise, not only to those who believe, but also to their children, mm-hmm. and a call to them to, to believe and to repent. Mm-hmm. Uh. Thank you. Hey, we got one Presbyterian there. One Presbyterian. <laughs> it's his wife. It's his wife. No. <laughs> um, and so I think I think Tim to answer uh, your point about uh, regeneration um, and the sign are a hundred percent consistent with each other in the, in the new in the new covenant. Not using your words, but trying to re- trying to. We we ought we ought to give the sign. Um, because a sign is a sign of, of a reality. Right. Like, like a marriage ring, it's a sign. Right. Yep. And so of, the, of the sign of the new covenant is yep. not only different in terms of its mode, in terms of circumcision and baptism, but different in terms of its recipient, given on the, the nature of the change of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it's true. Um, on this side of heaven, we, 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 can't, we can't tell and can't be for sure when we baptize someone. But when you, when you baptize a child, you're saying you are part of the new covenant. But being part of the new covenant means Christ is your mediator and Christ is your sacrifice. So you're not conferring salvation. Well, well, well I think right? I think you're you're. Um, uh, I mean, well, let me let me put it this way: When your kids are born, do they get your last name? Yes, they do. Then why would why all of a sudden would your why would you not in covenant mark Jesus's covenant sign on them too? Right? How, how can they how can they participate in Tim's family, but but not and there's no salvation by works there. Tim's not waiting to see works in his kids. To are you, are you going to be a good enough Stevens today? And you might be a Stevens at the end of the day if I let you. You know, in the same way, they're born into the family of Tim. Why not then being born in the family of God get that family sign of baptism? Well, being born into the family of God is is a product of regeneration. It's the new birth. Um, uh, so there's, um, you know, Paul says, not all Israel are of Israel. Um, and he's applying that in new covenant terminology. He's applying that to the new covenant. And so I, I 100% agree that regeneration is, is what God can see and what we can't see. Now we can see fruit of regeneration, we can't, you know. So I'm not denying that there's not obvious fruit in all this. Um, but when, when I can be married to my wife and be a bad husband, um, that's that's what the whole covenant sign is. I, I might not be fulfilling my covenant duties well. Um, a child or an adult can have baptism on their head, have the sign of the covenant on their head, and not be fulfilling their duties well. Um, but that's that's what the nature of the covenant is. It's kind of the objective. Um, uh, the objective reality of what it means to be part of the family of God. Yeah, I think our our disagreement is not so much on the ordinance of baptism. Our disagreement is on the nature of the new covenant as it relates to the old covenant. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that comes down to the nature of our of our disagreement. And so, if we if we can settle out what we mean by the new covenant and what it means to be a member of the new covenant then we will have a better idea of what it means to apply the sign of membership of that covenant. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it gets down to the crux of, of a disagreement. Steve? I think, I think the disagreement actually touches on both issues. 
I do think there's a difference in understanding of baptism. The Presbyterian understanding of baptism is is that in baptism in, in baptism God is doing the speaking. It's it's not about the individual who's being baptized making a testimony or profession of what's happened to them, but God making a promise and then sealing that promise. The promise of the gospel, which was first given in Genesis 3:15, and then is echoed throughout the New Testament, throughout the Scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. I, w- I would respond to some of the things you said, Tim, by just pointing out that, uh, as Paul pointed out, that Abraham was saved on the basis of his faith by grace. So, uh, and yet God still said, though that was true, that He wanted that the sign of that very covenant. I will be your God to be given to Abraham's children. And the reason for that, we, I think we try to understand that through our own interpretation of baptism, but perhaps a better way to look at it is what was God doing? Why would God give a sign of the covenant of grace to children in the Old Testament if indeed people were saved in the Old Testament as they are saved in the New Testament? And they are. There's no difference in terms of the salvation. So... Um, come to the New Testament, there is something new and glorious, absolutely, about the New Te- Testament. Uh, but the sign of the covenant still belongs to the same people. We are we are giving the sign to them because they have been put in the church by God, not because they're saved. God put them in the church, and so we we give them the promise and the sign with the promise and call them to repentance, call them to faith. Yeah, and I, I still think... Um I can agree with much of what you say, Steve, and I believe that there is a continuity in how God saves sinners between Old Covenant and New Covenant, but that doesn't mean that there are not differences in the administration of that Old and New Covenant that affect that covenant sign, whether circumcision or baptism. And so in, in Galatians 3, when it says, as many of you have been baptized, uh, you have put on Christ. So, so, so baptism is talking about a sign of, of the reality of what is yours by, by God, not because of something that you've done, uh, but it's a sign of what God has done in you. In, in um, Colossians chapter 2, a, a text that mentions both circumcision and baptism, and it mentions those who have been baptized have been buried with Christ mm-hmm. and united with him in faith. Mm-hmm. And so this is the reality that, that baptism is connected with, with the reality of our union with Christ and that's tied with a new birth. And, and that is an act of God. And so we as the church, we seek to identify members and baptize them as, as best as we can, recognizing that um, the distinctions of the, of the new covenant versus, versus the old covenant. Yeah, and I would, um, so your quotation in Colossians was really good, but it missed the first part where it talked about you were circumcised in the death of Christ and then buried in baptism. So one of the things that Paul is doing there, he's very much equating the Old Testament sign with the New Testament sign. And I agree. Okay. But the reality is, if you've been buried with Christ, mm-hmm. how is that not conferring salvation upon a child? Can, can you say that of a child born into your family, that you have been buried with Christ? Mm-hmm. That's saying you are, you are saved. Uh, I mean, there's always um, the sign is one thing. The reality of what's happening in the kid is another. Now, we want that sign and reality to match up, just like in marriage. We want the, the ring to match up with the faithfulness of the mom or the faithfulness of the dad or husband and wife. Um, but there's also, because we live in a sinful world, there's sometimes where the sign and the reality doesn't match up. 
So I 100 percent agree with you on that. The sign we want the sign to point to true regeneration in my child's heart. Um, but the sign is a, it's a covenantal sign of of what God is doing in my family, and and th- and, and and I'm believing I'm believing in the promises of God and bringing my kid into the covenant of God. The other the other thing um, in Galatians chapter three when he quoted Galatians chapter three, well, um, Paul also. Um, brings in Abraham. You're part of Abraham. You know, so he's, he's bringing in, so I would, I have no problem with old covenant, new covenant language, but there's also a, a, a part of this where the covenant from of old is consistent uh, throughout the scriptures where, where there's, um, covenant continuity as we like to use that terminology, covenant continuity, um, throughout the old Testament into the new Testament. Um, and so I wouldn't want to, you know, it's like the dispensationals we were talking about this a little earlier. They, they like to break things up. There's all these dispensations stuff. And, and I don't want to take away from the old covenant, new covenant, and what God's doing in there. But I also want to say that, that I'm in the same covenant that Abraham's in. I'm part of, you know, that, um, uh, that covenant, Abraham, Abraham, I'm part of the children of Abraham. Um, so in that sense, the covenant is continued um, in, in that posterity, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think as long as we understand that that promise given to Abraham, according, according to Galatians 3, finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we have access to those promises of Abraham through Christ and our union together with Christ, which makes the new covenant so much different mm-hmm. than the old. Because now Christ is the mediator, Christ is the lawgiver, Christ is the sacrifice, Amen. Christ is the priest, Christ is the prophet. That's right. And everyone in that new covenant will be saved yep. because Christ is their priest advocating for them. Okay, so that, that, that reminds me. Um, so you said everyone in the covenant will be saved. Um, I, you know, and obviously in the Old Testament, there's obvious examples where people were in covenant with God and not saved. You know, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, I mean, there's a number of examples. Eli's sons likely were not saved um, and so forth. Um, and in John chapter 15, we get the covenantal, you know, uh, language of I am the vine, you are the branches. And that there's some branches that will be cut off and there's some branches that will be grafted in. I'm the vine, you're the branches. And if you don't abide in me, I'll cut you off, you know, um, and then I'll graft, I'll graft. And Paul uses the same language with the olive tree in, uh, Romans chapter, uh, uh, 11. Um, and so... There's a, a sense in this. So one of, the, one of the things of understanding the covenant is that I gave examples in the Old Testament. Well, you can be part of the covenant and actually not be saved. You can have some sort of, whatever it is, some sort of covenant relationship with God's family and not be saved. Aaron's children and so forth. And it, it seems to me that Jesus is saying the same thing in the New Testament, that you can have some sort of covenantal connection to me and still be grafted out. And of course... In, in church terms, it would be excommunicated or anathema, excommunicated um, out of there. Go, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't have my Bible in front of me, but I think it's, I think it's Hebrews 9, 15. Um, maybe if you have your phone, you can look it up there. I, I think that refers to Christ in his role as the priest offering the sacrifices to God. Not only like it says in chapter 7 that he's able to save to the uttermost, but there he, he eternally lives to effectually save his people mm-hmm. and so I, I don't I can't read the New Testament and, and I, I, I think the passages you mentioned just, just don't show it that 
that Christ could be our covenant mediator, our head, our sacrifice, our prophet, and there are some that are connected to Christ in an unsaving way and will be lost. So how would you interpret that then? If if I'm the vine, you're the branches. I, I, w- I wouldn't draw that connection to you're in the new covenant, you're connected with Christ, but you're cut off. He's talking about he's talking about fight, false discipleship. You know, there's people who followed him. There's not all Israel was Israel. There are some who who followed after the Lord Jesus Christ who weren't truly his disciples. He's going to say to them on that day of judgment, "I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers mm-hmm. of lawlessness. Mm-hmm. I never knew you. You weren't mine." But he's saying, "I am the vine. You are the branches." And some of the branches I'm going to cut off. Yes, yeah, so I think it's interpreted in that other, other clear text when he's talking about those who are, who are false disciples. Mm-hmm. The, branches, the branches that he cut off, cuts off are the ones that don't bear fruit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So they're not regenerate. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, and, so, but, and I'm, so but the, I'm not, the new, I'm not equating the new covenant. The covenant well, not. I am, because, and I think Tim likely is too, because... In Jeremiah 31, the, the promise is that we will be the new covenant members will be regenerate. Mm-hmm. That the law of God is written on their hearts, so they're born again. Yeah. And Paul brings that up again in Hebrews 10, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, if you're not bearing fruit, you're cut off because you're no part of the vine. Mm-hmm. You weren't. And, and there's no promise in Genesis chapter um, 12 to Abraham that all of his offspring will be regenerate. Yeah. There is a promise that they will bring forward. I think it's embedded within that covenant. There's a promise that they will bring forward the new covenant. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And there's no doubt in mind that some of Abraham's natural offspring is regenerate. Mm-hmm. But there is an explicit promise in the new covenant mm-hmm. that everyone in it will be regenerate. Mm-hmm. No explicit promise in the covenant with Abraham that everyone in it will be regenerate. And that's the covenant of circumcision. Mm-hmm. The covenant of circumcision brought forward the new covenant. And within the covenant of circumcision, there were some who, who were regenerate, there were some who were not. But everyone in the new covenant is regenerate, 100%. There's nobody who's not. So you would take John 15 or even Romans um, chapter 11, the olive branches um, uh, being cut out of the tree, the olive branches being grafted in. That's not covenantal language to you guys. Well, I don't, I don't know how anyone could be regenerate and not produce fruit. Mm-hmm. If like fruit comes from regeneration, mm-hmm. and so I, I don't, you just you can't make that you can't make that connection. If the yeah, promise but that's, that's of the, not new the metaphor, the metaphor is not this branch is bringing fruit. Actually, this branch is showing itself not to bring fruit. And that's so right. That's why I'm cutting it off. That's right. And yeah. so it's not regenerate. Yeah. And anything that doesn't bring fruit is not regenerate. There's no regeneration there. Mm-hmm. And and there's no. There's no specific tie to the new covenant in those texts. And, and it is Hebrews 9.15. It says that, therefore, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant yep. so that those who are called may receive the promised internal, eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. And it's not, it's not the only time he mentions that in Hebrews. You read Hebrews. It's, it's very clear. Christ is an effective savior, an effective covenant mediator that everyone in his covenant connected to him will be eternally saved. Steve? <laughs> Say amen, Steve. That's kind of a... <laughs> that is an amen. <laughs> That's kind of wide open uh, the way you, you addressed me. Um, I was perhaps hoping you would ask me if there's something upon which we agreed so that we could you know, bring it back together. Because I, I, I do... I, I like things to get as awkward as possible up here. All right. Like, well, I do this for a living. You know, I, 
here's what I struggle with even as we're having this discussion is that um, not only that I love these men and, and respect them, but I'm I've I'm now make my home in a Baptist church. Yeah. And I have found a life here that I did not find in the Reformed Church. Now, I don't want to be entirely unfair, but despite my theology, I look at a, at a, a system of theology that, and churches that seem to be in the grip of death and, mm. um, and dealing with the, the reality that the Reformed Church did an appalling job, and we're talking about remembering, during, I did an appalling job during COVID, utterly appalling. Mm. And so um, I, can, I can theorize about baptism, and I think it's an important issue, but the bigger issue that I struggle with is what's trying to understand what's happened, how, how that can be, how we can have um, a, 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 a system of theology that's so utterly uh, failed. Yeah. But that's not the question you're asking. No, but I'm, you're, you're doing good. I mean, I, was, uh, I appreciate it. I was hoping you said spicy, so. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's, well, let's, let's just uh, wrap this up, this part of the, the conversation up. Um, you know, Peter, when he was, he was preaching um, in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit was descending upon the church. Um, and he wraps up his sermon and and he says um, repent and be baptized for the promises to you and to your children everybody in that room can you can you finish that quote um, the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off uh-huh. for all who the Lord God calls to themselves and I don't think you're arguing to baptize all those who are far off um, no but but he's using He's using Old Testament covenantal language. Everyone knows. Sure, he can finish and say, for all those who are far off. Absolutely. I don't have a problem with that. But everyone knew exactly what he meant when he said the promise. Repent and believe and be baptized for the promises to you and your children. Everyone, everyone's all of a sudden not thinking like, oh, you know, there's, there's some sort of magic. Um, I, I shouldn't, no, I, I, let, me, let me replace that word. That's not fair to you guys. There's, he's not saying that um, he, he, uh, that, that that he's expecting the kids to have some sort of regenerated what's experience. The, what's the promise? What's, what's the, the promise? promise? Um, well, the, well, the promise it goes back to uh, Deuteronomy chapter twenty. Right, right. Exodus, so what's the, Exodus, so what's the promise though specifically? Um, I will bless you to a thousand generations. That's okay. the promise he's referring to. Okay, so you, the promise is for you. Yeah. But you are unbelieving. No, no, he's he's talking about all those who are, are repenting. No, no, no. He says, you need to repent and believe. Correct. So I'm assuming that there were people who we were talking to who hadn't repented. It, whatever happened, he preached a sermon, <laughs> and, there was, and there was a regeneration experience happening No, no, right but there. he's telling them to repent. Yeah. That is the promise, though. The promise is, is I will be your God, if you believe and repent. So the promise to, is to those who believe. And to he, their children. No, I, 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 agree, with, I agree with that. But what, what I'm saying is the promise that is being offered to these people was embedded in the covenant with Abraham. And it's a covenant that Abraham is going to be a blessing to all nations. Mm-hmm. And what's the promise? The gospel has now been opened up to all the nations of the world yeah. through the preaching of the gospel mm-hmm. to them and to their children, just as it was to Abraham and his children. Right. The promise to all of Abraham's natural children mm-hmm. was not regeneration. 
the promise was, mm-hmm. if they believe and they have faith like their father Abraham, there will be everlasting life. And in you all and the, the nations promise, will be blessed. We aren't saying no, everyone the, in those nations. The prom- and the, the promise to all the nations of the world yeah. is now it's, it's now been opened up to them. And so Abraham, so Peter, is he's calling them to repent. He's inviting them into not the old covenant, mm-hmm. but into the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And the new covenant is if you believe, if you believe, if your children believe, mm-hmm. all the nations of the world, all the Gentile nations believe, yeah. then they will be saved. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it's not a promise if you believe, then your children will be part of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Okay? But why would Peter? I mean, Peter's saying that because he's using covenantal language. Right, right. But he's, but he's he is using speaking the Old to, Testament formulation of ex, uh, Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5 to say repent, believe, and participate in the new covenant sign. That's what he's saying. No, but I, I, I know exactly what he's saying. But, but what I'm, I'm trying to say is, I, is that when he is telling them you repent and you believe, all of a sudden the promise to Abraham has now been opened up. And, the, and what's the promise? Mm-hmm. I will make you a blessing to all nations. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden that promise is flowering in the preaching of the gospel for the very first time is the Holy Spirit of God has now come down. That's right. People are speaking in tongues. Many different languages are being spoken. Mm-hmm. And now this promise is flowering, not just to the, the Hebrew people. To all the nations, right there before his eyes. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. But they were unbelieving. And so he's calling them to repent, mm-hmm. just as he's saying, and it's going to be available to your children. If they repent their children, if they repent, and so on. And when God said to Abraham, you know, your children, your children, your children, it wasn't a promise of salvation for their children. It was a promise that this is available to you. Here's a sign of your covenant. It's the covenant of circumcision. And if you're believing, you will be, you will receive everlasting life. Yeah, I think to go along with that, Jacob, so when he says not only to you and to your children, speaking to the people of Israel, yeah. But also to those who are far off, far off. Those, yep. those Gentile nations. The promise is for you too. Repent mm-hmm. and believe. Mm-hmm. So he's he's not saying that the the covenant sign of circumcision ought to be applied to you or baptism applied to you and your children, just like it's not to be applied to you who are far off. Uh, but rather this is this is the the call that has gone out now to to all the nations to mm-hmm. welcome them in. Yeah. It's great. Thanks having for this having this discussion. Appreciate you guys. I love I love disagreement. Give him a, give him a little hand. Yep. And um, let's see. Large, large. Is that you, Steve? Large? No, I'm not large, but I'll take it. You take it? Well, this is this is. There you go. The Canadian flag bound down to the cross. Yep. There you go. And um, oh man, I got another large. I know Jacob's not. Oh here, XL, XL large. XL large. Is that you? Tim, what are you? What are you? Large. You're large? Okay, got a large right here. All right. Wear that with pride. Thank you. You know, Canadian pride. All right, I'd like to have the, the, the wives to come up for about 10 minutes, okay? Have a little discussion. Don't worry, we're not going to get in a debate on baptism, okay? <laughs> Don't worry. We aren't going there. We aren't going there. <clears throat> yeah, leave that here. Ladies, you can come up. Just grab a mic. Give, give the ladies a round of applause. Yeah. I just got a little music to turn everybody around. Kind of fun, right? My brother wrote that song, so I like to play it. Um, so, 
You guys want some water or anything? I, I didn't offer the guys much water, but I got Dr. Pepper here too. Yeah, I'll take yeah. a Dr. Pepper. Yeah, we have absolutely. to have Absolutely, that's right. Things. That's right. Presbyterian from one Presbyterian to another. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I mean, I've gotten to know you guys a little bit here and there. Um, uh, I remember, um, uh, you know, Raquel, when, when your husband uh, got arrested, I tried to read your letter on, on my show and I couldn't do it. And, um, but just uh, it was a very precious letter. Uh, but we haven't really got to hear much from the wives through, you know, uh, kind of their experience um, uh, watching their husbands kind of go through um, these challenges. And um, I know uh, my wife was fantastic um, when I when I went through my arrest and then just all the public. I mean, I, I remember I got a um, I, I got a jail and then Thursday the next day. So Wednesday I got arrested that night. I got out. I was only in for three hours. I'm I, like I, I didn't. I don't compare myself to Tim or James at all in any of this. But um, I, I got out of jail, and then Thursday, I was, you know, on Glenn Beck, Laura Ingram. I was, I was basically on interviews from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. that night all day. It was, it was fantastic um, to be able to go on the offensive a little bit compared to what we had been dealing with over the last six months. And then the next day on Friday, my wife needed, so I have gone out in the community because I'd just been so busy and everything. I'd been in the studio all the time. And the next day on Friday, my wife had me go to um, Safeway or whatever and get some food for her, on, get some stuff for our dinner on the way home. And everywhere, every corner I went to, I was getting flipped off or something in my town. My town's full of liberals and they're crazy and um, you can't really reason with them. And um, and then I went to the store. I'd be walking past people cussing at me. I mean, just, and I, I'm deaf in one ear, so I can't even hear half the cuss words they were saying. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure I was like, uh, you know, oh, thank you, thank you, you know. <laughs> Not even knowing what they're fully saying, but I, I just remember um, my wife had to go through some a little bit of some of that experience. Uh, definitely, um, a lot of so my wife works at the local athletic club and trains a lot of non-Christians or trains a lot of ladies in our community, and so she had a lot of conversations. And so now she's, you know, defending me and explaining and and all this stuff, and uh, and so I, I you know um, the challenges. Uh, uh, Raquel, I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with you. But the the challenges that my um, wife faithfully went through, uh, supporting me and, and being biblical about uh, how she handled things and her response. Um, you know, uh, Tim, how Tim, how long was Tim in jail for? Uh, three weeks total. Three 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 weeks. So so you had a a long time to kind of uh, process this, um, talk about it. And even deal with it without Tim being there for three weeks. I was there, you know, I was there the next night, you know, the next day, and we could process it together. So, you know, what was your kind of experiences? Well, maybe even leading up to this, you know, Tim. I remember Tim earlier telling us that he had to write. He started writing his lawyer's number on his form before church because he's expecting, well, I'm probably going to get arrested, so I want that number. Um, and he's probably got a memory like Dory, like me. Um, and uh, so, you know, as you guys are. As it's starting to become more real, the reality of what might happen, what what, do you, what were you thinking? What was your process kind of going through? It's like, well, I need to figure out how to get in a situation where I'm going to support my husband through through this. You know, his job is called to fight, defend, and protect the church, and and you got to kind of figure out how to, how am I going to support him and, and encourage him in all this. That is that a tough is that a tough question? No, no, no. And I, I can adjust. I can adjust the question a little bit if you want me to. Sure. Okay. Um, no, that, that's totally fine. Um, uh, let, let me put it this way: when, when, when Tim that night, when uh, uh, 
uh, cops came. Uh, I think it was the second time. It was the second time when when the the, the, the kids were. Um, how did you, as a mother, comfort your kids and and encourage your kids to like, hey, stay stay on Jesus. This is this is you know this is God's here. God's with us. You know, Dad's in jail. How, what was the conversation you had with your kids? Yeah, no. When we came home um, after the police drove Tim away, I had to come into the house with the children who are weeping and yeah. angry, and I'm you know shocked and. <laughs> Lots of emotions going on. We sat around our living room, and we just said, okay, kids, lots of stuff going on in your head now. What is true? And so that was, uh, we sat around, tell me something you know is true. We know God is good. We know God is sovereign. We know God is wise. We know he withholds no good thing. We know that it is an honor to suffer shame for his name. What else do we know is true? Um, And just not let... The flurry of emotions overwhelm us. Um, so yes, there were tears. Yes, there was um, uh, emotions to work through there, especially our older children who were uh, very upset with the police, of course. But we just had to remind ourselves of truth and rest in that. And then we prayed that the Lord would use this. And um, I believe he did answer that. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I remember when I came home, my kids... Uh, so. I like got arrested at like you know 5:30 or something. I came home that night like at 10 or something. My kids, my they usually the bedtime's 8:30. The kids couldn't go to sleep. They wanted to stay up, wait for dad to come home. They wanted to see dad, you know, that whole process. And I remember getting home and my kids were just it was it was glorious. I'm sure same thing with Tim. We got home and the kids and the hugs and everything it was fantastic. I mean just really cool. Um, but <laughs> one of the things I had to do with my kids is help them adjust a little bit. Like they were. They were pretty frustrated, the cops. You know, they're supposed to protect the community, and, and then they're violating our First Amendment rights. You know, that kind of thing. So, how did you kind of um, talk with your kids over those coming weeks? Kind of talk them through, yeah, this isn't right, but also you, you don't want to react in a negative, emotional way, bitter way, or angry way about all this. Yeah. No. Prior to this, we would have taught our children to honor and obey the police if they tell you to do something you do it and we would still tell them that they're still um, serving in an honorable profession but obviously very blinded in how they're carrying that out and not all of them so we can't broad brush that they're all like that there was a there was a, a group in the Calgary police force that was very much against this so kids you can't be angry at every police officer because they're not all the same they mm-hmm. don't all carry the same. Um, yeah. They're not all going in that direction. But play did look different. Like police, we, they have police uniforms as part of their costumes and play clothes. Um, <laughs> police were the bad guys in the house for a little bit. Yeah. It just it just looked different. They come in and arrest churchgoers rather than getting <laughs> bad guys. So they'll have to work through that. They still they do. We just remind them that this is um if something happens in the house, we would still call the police and mm-hmm. we will still um yeah, just a reminder that they're not mm-hmm. um while they are acting in sin here, they're not all evil and wicked such mm-hmm. that we can't Yeah. Call what do you think what do you think is the like the positive things the kids learn um watching their dad be faithful um you know, uh, for 20 days. What, what were some of the positive things that your kids kind of started to articulate over time? 
Yeah, no, we just finished reading um, Trial and Triumph. Can't impress plug there. Good book, yeah. Yeah, we just finished reading that, and so some of those stories became very much alive. You felt such a connection with Christians of the past. Um, so what was the question again? Just kind of some of the positive things Positives, that the yeah. maybe began to articulate over time. Yeah, no, that one, just a very real, there's no fake Christianity there. They can yeah. see if you really believe what you say you believe. Mm-hmm. So at least that's our hope as they grow up and remember this. Some of them are obviously very young and don't have a full sense and don't fully grasp that. The little toddlers sure. won't get that. But hopefully as they grow up, they, they understand that um, Christ is worth it and Christ will call you to suffering. He will call you. You will be persecuted. Mm-hmm. How that looks, we don't know, but it will happen. Um, and that he also promises to be with you in it. And I do believe that we, as a family, experienced that even while we were separated. We had the local church especially carried our family tangibly, physically, yeah. caring for just so many of the needs. Um, yeah, no, we were, we were well taken care of, and I think they'll see that too, the importance of the yeah. our church family. Beautiful. Um, uh, Joanna, um, uh, Jacob is an honorary fella and um uh i remember I've, I've loved to get to know jacob over the last year or so and uh um uh, there's a stubbornness to jacob that's really good um and i know and my i have i i think i, I identify a little bit with jacob's outwardly stubbornness and there's you know my wife's got to adjust for the inwardly problems that that stubbornness might bring but um, uh, when you saw uh, Jacob kind of uh, going through all this and racking up fines, um, what were you, I mean, were, were you like Harvey thinking about, well, man, we got to do a yard sale now? Or, I mean, <laughs> you know, what, what, watching your husband go through this, I mean, there's a sense of, like, I'm sure injustice that you felt. This is wrong. Um, but how do you kind of sort through all these things, and, and so how did you support Jacob through it all? Oh. Um, well, I don't think I can remember him wavering once through this, and I didn't, I don't remember me wavering once through this as far as, like, this is just what God's calling us to do. So we were on the same page through the whole thing. Um, and I think just, the two of us praying together like is something I guess I said to someone the other day like Jacob and I have been married 21 years like nothing's changed like this whole process for us has been wild but we haven't really changed I mean mm-hmm. God's changing us to be more like Christ but mm-hmm. Jacob's integrity the man that he is the yes is yes the no is no we believe the Bible he got up and preached like he did every other Sunday minus that period of time unfortunately when the church was closed but um, so I feel like we just kept doing the things that we were always doing. And then I'm just so thankful to God for our church family, mm-hmm. our Christian brothers and sisters that have been so supportive and behind us and all the elders. It's a team thing, right? Mm-hmm. So him and I personally just doing what we've always done, praying together, uh, lifting our burdens to the Lord, getting on our knees together and mm-hmm. beseeching our king. And... Um, Trusting God. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. 
when um, and telling him that if you don't open this church, our marriage is over. <laughs> I stole that line from Aaron Coates. We had a conversation. We're like, this church better open. I'm getting, I'm getting, you know, we're on the same page. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, a husband, if, if, if his wife's wavering a little bit in the background, uh, I think a husband can still kind of try to be courageous out there. But, it, but when a wife's really with him, really unified, and receives courage from her, he's that much more courageous out there. Um, you know, we, we, we say, I said this the other day, courage begets courage. And when um, my wife, you know, when I didn't see her waver, when I saw her faithfulness, well, that made it a lot more easier to deal with all the flack out there. Um, and uh, did you guys, I mean, how much did you guys talk about, like, okay, this could happen? Um, I mean, it seems like everything kind of came on pretty fast here on you guys. Were you prepared for everything that was about to come or is it kind of like you just got you guys are just kind of sorting through it as it's going along oh that's a hard question to answer i feel mm-hmm. like you're kind of you're going through the stuff and you're like is this actually happening is this mm-hmm. for real like i'll never forget the night that the cops first showed up at our house and we were stunned and then we find out oh they're at you know dean and holly's house and they've made a trip to harvey's house and like every all the other elders and their wives and we were just like, I can't believe this is actually happening. Um, but once we realized it was actually happening, it was just like, okay, well, we're just going to keep moving forward. And what was the question again? Sorry. Just, just you know, I, I, there weren't. You know, it seems like it came on pretty fast. Oh yeah. And so, you know, you aren't totally able to have all the maybe some pre-conversations that kind of really help you get ready for the processing of about to happen. You know. So, what was your kind of thought yeah, process? Yeah, I think. There was a lot of conversations we had, like, we did have, okay, there's been so many things happen in the last two and a half years that, like, a lot of it I've actually probably forgotten. So thankfully you made that documentary, honey. It's awesome. It'll help <laughs> us remember a lot of things. But, um, yeah, we did have conversations, like, what happens if, you know, he gets arrested or, like, I was pregnant through part of the pandemic and I was like I really hope I don't have to have this baby without my husband but if I do God will I had a really good friend in the church that's like if he can't get into the hospital with you I'll come with you you know stuff like that so yeah like we had those real life conversations but it's amazing how when you go through troubling waters the Lord is right there with you like his promises are true he stands beside you he guides you so even though you have to have those real life conversations about what if, what if, what if, you're still like, you get this peace from God that sustains you and emboldens you and gives you courage. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And then also like our kids, I feel like it's been an awesome experience for them. Like we have six kids. Obviously the baby will never understand this the way the other five because they're all older. But like, you know, they all try to encourage their dad at different points, and that was beautiful to see as well. Like, they're right behind them. They're standing with them. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, Aaron, you, you had kind of the additional challenge of losing kind of a community through this. So, um, you know, when uh, Steve, um, you know, lost his church, he lost his denomination, you know, kind of, kind of lost. Um, I'm sure you guys lost a lot of relationships and, and close friendships and everything through it all. Um, and, and, and men are built to kind of, I think men tend to not, um, have some of those, 
things affect them in a way that women potentially have, particularly when it comes to the relationship side of things. Um, uh, you know, I think men are a little easier. They can easier move on from friendship. If it goes south, they're like, fine, I'm done. You know, women need to sort through it a little more. How are um, you thinking as your husband's going through this? It, you know, hey, honey, just, just you know, apologize. You know, just, you know, you know, you, you, you don't ever want to be in the, the story of Job's wife. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be Job's wife ever in any story she pops up in. It's never a good story, right? <laughs> you know, so how are you kind of thinking through, like, encouraging your husband as you're He's losing his church. He's getting excommunicated from the denomination. I mean, you know, that's that's crazy. Well, to be real, unlike Joanna, I, I probably was like, if you open this church, I'm leaving you. <laughs> <laughs> was that your first initial yeah, reaction? Yeah. Wow. Uh, no, I didn't say it like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, what I did was I tried to find little tweaks to just get around it. Yeah. So what if we just worship uh, underground for a bit. What if we? So yeah. that's what Steve has had in me initially. Uh-huh. Um, and then I think it was about when some of the other ministers were getting a lot of heat. He said, "Aaron, I can't, I can't go underground anymore. I, I need to be in the church building. I want us to be visible in the community." Yeah. And he was convicted of that. So um, I really took it to prayer at that point. I knew my spirit was wrong, mm-hmm. and I said, "Lord, I, I have to surrender now." Yeah. That's when it really hit me that um, I have to sacrifice my spouse in that sense, that uh, Christ was worthy and I knew the right thing to do. It just took me a little longer to Mm -hmm. get there. Mm -hmm. So then I said, Lord, uh, Steve is Steve is Steve. Mm -hmm. He's going to he's got this heart for you and I can't hold that back. It's Mm -hmm. not right. And so at that point, I surrendered, surrendered our family and said, uh, absolutely. Let's just go forward from here and, and uh, never look back from mm-hmm. that point. And so when you when you're kind of mentally turning that corner, and and did you, um, you know, okay, God, I'm going to do this. And then as you watch God take away Stephen Sturge, God take away, you know, if you came out, did you question God? Did you, you know, God, I, I'm trusting you, and now you're taking everything away from us. To be 100% honest, I kept trying to line things up with scripture and truth that I knew. It was always, is what happening, is what, what's happening Christ-like? Mm-hmm. And, and the Lord strengthened us because I had a confidence in that. that um, and just trying to be as humble as possible before the Lord and as honest. We were struggling through it, but at the same time, there was a peace that... Um, I'm just so thankful that I feel in my husband that he was trying his best to do the right thing for God. Yeah. And um, I just kept going back to that. So, no, not a lot of wavering. And um, it was interesting you touched on that note about men and women because uh, a little bit different in our situation. Uh, Steve cared so much for the sheep. Mm-hmm. And he's a he's a, he's a a man of prayer. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm this, this weekend has been wonderful for me to renew my time. I don't spend the time in prayer. I don't spend the time in the word that mm-hmm. my husband does. Mm-hmm. And um, it actually hit him much more significantly than me. Mm. I was actually easier to just say, I'm responsible for myself alone. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, how I conduct myself, and I was able to just kind of put other people's decisions yep. aside a little bit more. But I, I think a big part of that is that he 
would spend hours in prayer for a sheep, and it was like a loss that words couldn't describe for him wow. and I. But being a mother, that's where I would spend a lot of my time mm -hmm. and loving the church family, but in a different degree than Steve. Mm -hmm. That's, I didn't know that detail about your story. Thank you. It's really good, really helpful. Um, would you, if you had to do it all over again, would you guys do it again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if the Lord wills. <laughs> and I say 100%. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you guys for your time up here. Really appreciate it. Give them a round of applause. As you guys know how to end cross-politics, does anybody know how to end cross-politics? If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them. <laughs> Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Lord bless you guys. <laughs>